Streaming has gotten way too complicated, but you can hack the system with Prime Video. It has everything in one app with one password. See Roadhouse, Giannis, The Marvelous Journey, and the National Women's Soccer League, all included with Prime. Plus, you can buy Premier Boxing or stream the NHL and NBA playoffs on Max with the Bleacher Report Sports add-on or add Paramount Plus for the Masters on CBS. Prime Video. It's all your favorite content in one place. Restrictions apply. Prime membership required for add-on subscriptions. See Amazon.com slash Amazon Prime for details. Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card... Right this way. It's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. This episode brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Director Wes Ball breathes new life into the epic franchise. As a ruthless king attempts to build his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape begins a journey to fight for a future for apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX this Friday and theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. Thanks for listening to the Best of the Herd podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday on Fox Sports Radio at noon to 3 Eastern, 9 a.m. to noon Pacific. Find your local station for the Herd at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching Fox Sports Radio or FSR. This is the Best of the Herd with Colin Cowher on Fox Sports Radio. Oh, here we go on a Thursday, all fired up. Can't wait. Live in Los Angeles, it's the Herd, wherever you may be and however you may be listening. Thank you for making us part of your day, radio, TV, whatevs. J-Mac, Greg Cosell in one hour, 15 minutes, NFL meat sandwich. You bet football, fantasy football, want to get smarter in football. Greg Cosell is money, baby. Um, at the end of our show yesterday, we had comedian David Spade on, and the NBA story broke, J-Mac. And I've been just chomping at the bit to get back on the air and talk about this deal. Um, it, I, you know what? I didn't. I thought it was going to get done quickly. And then I gave up on it and thought, okay, we'll wait to the season. So it was a pleasant surprise yesterday, and I, I'm kind of fired up for it. Yeah, very excited. It's rare when, like, everybody wins a massive trade, right? Yep. So I, I think everybody got value. Everybody won. Milwaukee, Phoenix, Portland. And Damian Lillard won, too. He just doesn't know it yet. <laughs> so let's talk about Milwaukee. Listen, massive size. Portis. Giannis. Brooke Lopez. Rim protection. You need that with Dame. He's not a good defender and he's small. This is a team that has a fortress in front of the rim. Giannis now does not have to control the ball as much. It gives them a great late game score. Giannis sometimes can get worn out in the playoffs. Wasn't necessarily great in the fourth. They call it Dame time. His money quarter is the fourth. He is great for Milwaukee. He is great for Milwaukee. He is a fourth-quarter closer. Giannis does so much on both ends, handles the ball, defends. I, I think sometimes in the playoffs, it feels like he's worn down and attacked. I love this for Milwaukee, and this morning they are NBA title favorites. Love it. How about Phoenix? Phoenix has their guys. They got Durant. They got Booker, Bradley Beal. What did they need? 
Two things. Bench scoring. They got it with Grayson Allen, 10-11 a game. And they also needed upgraded chemistry. DeAndre Ayton's talented, but he never gets looks. You got three bona fide scoring stars. He never gets looks. So Phoenix gets a chemistry upgrade and bench scoring. Great for them. And what does Portland get? Picks. Because they're all about the future. They also get a very good player. I'm a huge fan of Drew Holiday. And they get DeAndre Ayton, who will get more organic looks, will be a happier player in Portland. There's no Durant on this team. There's no Devin Booker on this team yet or Bradley Beal. He didn't get looks in Phoenix. He'll get looks in Portland. Not as many maybe as he loves, but he'll be a happier player. He's an athletic big runs the floor. So years one and two, I think everybody won the trade, but they won it in different timelines. For the first two years, Milwaukee and Phoenix, real title contenders, won this trade. But Dame's wearing down, right? So, and Giannis now got hurt recently. And Phoenix, Durant injuries, Bradley Beal, a lot of wear on the tires. The first two years of this trade were won by Milwaukee and Phoenix. Years three, through 12 are won by the Blazers. Assets, future, and watch out when they hit. They're not there yet. They're not a title team yet, uh, but watch out. They are going to be like an Oklahoma City. Like, they're, they're sneaky good now, and nobody's going to want to play them in about three years. And that was Oklahoma City about three years ago. Now they're getting better. I think Portland years 3 through 10 won this trade. So now it's the Damian Lillard component. What a bummer. He ain't get go where he wants. This happens a lot in life. You don't get a job. You get what you perceive as a second job, right? Your safety college. You wanted to get into Princeton, but you ended up going to Holy Cross, and you're like, wow, Holy Cross was a way better fit. Damien's a poor defender, and he's small. Milwaukee's the biggest team in the league. Even if Brooke Lopez is in foul trouble, there's Portis and Giannis. Giannis is injured. There's Lopez and Portis. If Bam gets hurt in Miami, it's often injured Jimmy Butler. Like, there is depth of size and depth of scoring. Middleton can give you 24. Giannis can give you 34. Lopez can give you 22. There's a lot of depth of size and scoring in Milwaukee. Dame's going to be the guy late in games. But they have more ability to protect the rim. Both are good defensive teams, Miami and Milwaukee. And Miami's where Dame wanted to go. But Milwaukee's got more size and more depth of size. And he'll get the ball late. Jimmy Butler is great. Jimmy Butler's playing 59 games a year now. Last five years, that's what he plays. Because he plays hard. And he gets banged up. And he's not a giant player. So there are going to be a lot of nights. It's just Dame and Bam. And that's what it is. Chris Middleton gets hurt. It's still Giannis, better than anybody Miami has. Giannis is better than any Miami Heat player. He's better than Bam. He's better than Jimmy Butler and Lopez or a Middleton. So the depth of size. Also, Dame went to college at Weber State and played in Portland. Miami is brash, loud, spotlight expectations. Milwaukee's an underrated city to live in. Had friends been there. They love it. It's a great organization. It's under the radar. Weber State, Portland, Milwaukee. Today, the Bucs are the favorite to win the championship. They may have been in Miami, but the expectations in Miami is with Pat Riley and Spolstra, you got to win. This is what they do. It's the Miami Heat. They win championships. Milwaukee is like, this will be cool. I think they're going to win a championship. 
He's a small-town guy who's been loyal to Weber State, loyal to Portland. He loves Portland, loves Weber State. Milwaukee's going to love Dame, and he's going to love Milwaukee. He's got a Western feel to him, right? And I think Milwaukee's closer to home. Milwaukee, Miami's its own, it's its own galaxy, and I love Miami. But it's way down there, spotlight, stars, expectations. This is the safety college that a kid chooses, doesn't get into the one he wants, goes to the safety college, and you're like, yeah, I really like Holy Cross. You know what? TCU really works for me. I didn't get into Texas. I think all three win, and I think Dame wins. He just doesn't know it yet. Reasonable expectations. Giannis is better than anybody Miami had. Depth of size, depth of scoring. I love it. All right, now here's something that uh, this whole jet situation is a mess. And I've been on the side of, listen, Aaron's coming back. I hear about this guy, this guy replacing Zach Wilson. You might as well just stay with Zach Wilson. Then this rumor came out. Ryan Tannehill, Titans quarterback to the Jets. Now, that's interesting. Here's why. I didn't buy Kirk Cousins. Why? Because he shrinks, and New York is a pressure cooker. Okay? That's not what Kirk Cousins is. Kirk Cousins is one o'clock window Kirk. All right? That's what he is. It's been established. Don't argue. Right? Like, we all know he's one o'clock window. It's not a late game. He's not window. He's not pressure. New York City is pressure. Plus, it's a bad O-line, a bad pass-blocking O-line. Kirk Cousins isn't hyper-athletic. Battle line, Kirk Cousins pressure, give me a break. Carson Wentz. Well, I push back on that for two reasons. One, the Jets already have a mobile, strong-arm quarterback with locker room issues. Isn't that Carson Wentz's label? Arm, moves well. Not sure he got along with anybody in Philadelphia, and they didn't exactly love him in Indy. Ryan Tannehill is different. First, he was a college receiver, big, strong, and athletic. He can deal with a shaky pass-blocking line. He may be semi-limited, but he doesn't shrink in big games. He's just not great. If he gets beat by a Brady or beat by Mahomes, it's because he's not as good. Kirk Cousins is sh- shrinks in spots. I don't think Tannehill does. He just is what he is. And go back to Tannehill when Tennessee was the number one seed. J-Mac's going to hate this. What was Tennessee? Defensive head coach. Great defense. One-star receiver. A strong run game. And a shaky pass-blocking offensive line. They could run block. They didn't pass block well. What are the Jets? Defensive coach. Great defense. Run game. Can run block okay, bad pass blocking O-line, one-star receiver. It's the same team. Now, you may not like Vrabel, or you may not like Sala as much as Vrabel. It's the same roster. You can run it. You can defend most of your talent on defense. They don't pass block well. They can run block pretty well. One-star receiver. This works. This makes sense. Tennessee has got to give these young quarterbacks a look. Whether they can play or not, let them play. 
It's not a Super Bowl team. Vrabel's not going to get fired. Sala, J-Mac thinks could. I don't, but could. So my takeaway is the Kirk Cousins thing never worked. Shaky pass-blocking line with Kirk Cousins, pressure cooker in New York, huh, that's not going to work. Carson Wentz is just a bigger version of Zach Wilson, kind of. Tannehill's different. Strong, athletic. Go look at his Tennessee success. Five or six of the exact same components of the Jets. This is interesting. Robert Sala this week changing his tune a bit on Zach Wilson. We all acknowledge he has to play better. We, we all acknowledge that. He acknowledges that. Teammates acknowledge it. He acknowledges it himself. And, um, you know, but the, the key is to have confidence in yourself. You have to. You've got to maintain your belief in yourself and, and your teammates and, um, and play within yourself and not try to press and make things happen. Just play within the structure of the offense. Get the ball to your playmakers and let your playmakers go to work. A lot of doubters on Ryan Tannehill in Miami goes to Tennessee. They're a number one seed. They win their division from time to time. A lot of doubters on Tannehill. Third choice goes to the Jets. You don't think Tannehill, that defense, that run game, star receiver? Come on, Tannehill played at a major college program. He played in high spotlight Miami. I think he could handle New York. I think he could overcome a bad pass blocking online. He became a number one seed in Tennessee. Look it up. They could run block, couldn't pass block. Is Vrabel better than Sala? That's the perception. We don't know that much about Sala. Hadn't got the quarterback right yet. He's had, he's had one series with Aaron Rodgers in the game. So, okay, J-Mac, it sounds nutty. That one got me interested. Uh, don't, don't do this to me, buddy. Listen, we're friends. <laughs> I've known you for a long time. Don't start the show trying to force-feed me Ryan Tannehill, okay? <laughs> I, I just looked up the stats. I mean, listen, I, I, I like you a lot, Colin. You know, I, we text, we talk, we're, we're, we're friends. Kirk Cousins under pressure this year. Six touchdown passes, zero interceptions. Ryan Tannehill under pressure, according to Pro Football Focus. Zero touchdowns, two picks, 81 yards passing. Who is Tannehill shrinks under pressure, okay. and that offensive line who, is going to get him killed. Who, 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 what defense is Kirk Cousins face this year? The Chargers. He's some bad defenses. Yes. That's true. Yeah. Uh, he did face the Eagles. He put up some garbage time numbers. Um, yeah, it'd be nice if Justin Jefferson was a target for Tannehill, the best receiver in the game. See, this is what's so good about Colin. He's got <laughs> conviction. He really believes in Ryan. Absolutely. Ryan, you know his nickname is Ryan Tannehill because he's such a good comeback guy. You know, Ryan Tannehill. You got, yeah. I never thought Tannehill's a shrinker. I think there's limitations, but I think in big games, Joe Burrow outdueled him. I mean, Joe Burrow threw a bunch of picks and won that game. You don't have to like Tannehill, but Burrow's better than Tannehill. I, he went to Foxborough and beat Tom Brady in his last Patriot game. I never think of Tannehill as a guy that can't handle pressure. Texas A&M, pressure. Texas football, Miami, spotlight, pressure. It's fine. Vrabel's yeah. a coach you got to play well for. So, I think Tannehill is a solid. We don't talk about him a lot. We don't talk about the Titans a lot because their game's not real uh, dynamic and fun. He can handle New so, York. Do you remember when you were in college and you and your you know your buddy's got his eye on a girl and he's like, "Hey, can you be my wingman? She's right. got a friend." Right, and right, you right. You would talk right. to the friend, and occasionally we'll be like, "Yeah, sure, sure, I'm in." And then sometimes you'll be like, "That's a, that's a hard pass, bro. Yeah, I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah. This 
Ryan Tannehill is a hard pass for me. I just want nothing to do with wow. that. I'd rather watch Zach Wilson just vomit all over himself wow. for, for 13 weeks. I, I don't want Tannehill. We I, could I not be on more opposite sides. No, this is what the beauty of the show, you know? Maybe I should wear a Tannehill jersey at the beach and show the gun show off. Maybe I should go all in on this. Commit to it. (laughs) I have a great parlay for you this weekend thanks to DraftKings Sportsbook. New users, use the code HERD, H-E-R-D, when you download the app. All right, here's my parlay pick of the week via DraftKings Sportsbook. Commanders plus eight at the Eagles. Philly on a short week due to Monday Night Football. Commanders division game. They run the ball, humiliated by Buffalo. Teams humiliated play better the next week. Eagles may win. I'll take the eight. Browns at home, minus two and a half against the injury-riddled Ravens. Browns, the best team in the league nobody's watching or cares about. I don't know how Baltimore moves the ball consistently. I'll take the Browns, minus two and a half. I'll take the Rams, plus one against the Colts. Gardner Minshew feels good. What a story. Rams played very poorly. They'll get the details and the run game back. They're a better team than the Colts. Rams plus one. If you want to take the herd parlay, check out DraftKings Sportsbook. New users, use the code HERD, H-E-R-D, when you download the app. 21 plus in most eligible states, but age varies by jurisdiction. Eligibility restrictions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. See show notes for full details. Attention all wrestling aficionados. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. This is Freddie Prince Jr., and I am beyond thrilled to announce that our wrestling extravaganza is back, and joining me once again is the one and only Jeff Dye. Get ready as we highlight the most jaw-dropping matches, dissect the fiercest feuds, and uncover the latest twists and turns in the world of pro wrestling. We're dusting off our legendary side quests and unleashing a barrage of brand new segments that will keep you guys on the edge of your seat like our talks on unsanctioned Thursdays. Freddie, you know we gotta give the people what they want. This season, we have an all-star lineup of special guests who are gonna be gracing our podcast, bringing with them their own unique insights, experiences, and all of that in the world of pro wrestling and beyond. Whether you're a seasoned wrestling veteran or a fresh-faced newcomer, we promise an experience like no other. So buckle up, wrestling fans. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty, Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape. You can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, 
I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Damian Lillard's agent, um, Aaron Goodwin, says, uh, listen, Miami did everything they could. Want to thank Pat Riley. Want to thank Eric Spolstra, Mickey Arison. That's what agents should do. They clearly wanted to go to Miami. But I'm sorry, but small aging NBA stars don't always get what they want. Lots of aging stars end up in uniforms that years later, we forget they were in that uniform. The good news is we won't forget this. They're favored to win the title. NBA stars have enormous power and should. Doesn't mean you always get a name your precise destination. Milwaukee's favored to win. This is a great spot. Well-run organization. But Dame did a lot for Portland and was well compensated the entire time. Dame also signed an extension. He didn't have to. That gave the team more leverage. See, when you sign an extension, you get the lettuce. They get some of the leverage. You don't sign an extension. You maintain the power. So LeBron and KD, better players than Dame, bigger athletes, did one plus ones and then could move. But they trusted, especially LeBron, LeBron trusted his game and his durability. So until recently, he was a one plus one guy. But that's LeBron. Dame's not LeBron. KD, when many argued he was the best player, he wanted more mobility. And his personality is more wandering. Dame's not. Dame picks a college. He picks a team. He likes what he likes. He's loyal. That's what we love about Dame. That and he's a great fourth quarter scorer. But we all make choices in life. There's lots of NBA, aging NBA stars. And Dame's been banged up. Smaller athlete. Get, he's not going to give you 82 games. Probably not going to give you 72 games. You're buying him. You're trading for him for fourth quarters in the playoffs. And I think he'll be great for the next two to three years. But we all make choices. And the NFL, the brands are much bigger. We know that unless you're Patrick Mahomes, you know, you, you don't have a lot of power. You get Tom Brady could have been traded. Like, that's the way it, until the very end of his career, Brady could have been traded. Very few quarterbacks. Quarterbacks even have no trade clauses. Right? Like, so that, that Aaron Rodgers didn't. Brady, until the end, didn't have a choice. But the Blazers had a choice, and they paid Dame handsomely, and he earned it. And they didn't send him off to Orlando. They didn't send him off to the Wizards. They sent him to Milwaukee that has arguably the world's best player, not just defensively, overall, athletically, on some nights offensively, but teams have a right. You can't have a business where employees have all the power. I own a small business. I like to empower my employees. They can't have all of it. Players can't say, I want this shoe, this team, on my terms, and the money long term. The bottom line, it's a league. And there's occasionally a LeBron James who can do a one plus one because he trusts his body, his durability. Like, you know, but even Dame toward the end, or excuse me, even LeBron toward the end. Didn't he sign a longer contract with the Lakers? Why? He's starting to get hurt. He wanted the money. So Dame made choices. 
well competent. This doesn't mean the end of anything in the NBA. Players will still have leverage. Players will still have stars. You know stars still have power in this trade. How do I know? Because why did Milwaukee get Dame? Because Giannis started talking and saying things like, I hope to stay here. If we don't upgrade, I don't necessarily know if I'm staying here. We need to keep building and getting better, or I don't know if I'll stay here. And they went and got him Dame. Stars have always run international soccer, as they should. Coaches come and go in soccer, and they, they dominate the NBA power structure, as they should. But you don't get everything. You sign an extension, you give stuff up. And this is the best-case scenario. I know you all think Miami was better. Miami would have been more popular. I think Milwaukee's the perfect spot. Be sure to catch live editions of The Herd weekdays at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio, FS1, and the iHeartRadio app. Let me defend Russell Wilson. There's an article in the Seattle Times, and they make the comparison to Ken Griffey. Had Russell, it says, stayed in Seattle, he could have faded with grace. Now he's a man without a city. And they use Ken Griffey as an example. Ken Griffey wanted to leave, but he wanted to go to Cincinnati, and he wanted to go be with his family, and he is still loved in Seattle. He's got a statue. And that Russell will never get a statue in Seattle, the way he left. Okay, so you're comping Ken Griffey Jr. There's a big difference. When Ken Griffey arrived, the day he arrived, he was the star, the man, elevated, promoted, marketed, loved. There was no doubt he was the franchise. Ken Griffey Jr. was the greatest, is the greatest, without question, Mariner of all time, and it was instant, beloved. Russell Wilson joined a team with a coach, Pete Carroll with a big brand, big personality, Soon thereafter, he got a running back with a quirky personality who got a lot of credit and a defense that was so good it had a nickname. And very early to the middle of a Seattle career, I mean, Russell Wilson didn't get much credit. Despite the fact Pete Carroll had been fired twice in the NFL and was 7-9, 7-9, and then Russell arrived, and they got great really fast. It never felt like Russell Wilson's team until the end when they used the term, let Russ cook. So then Russ, get, you know, Russ gets the Seahawks to two Super Bowls, a play from winning both. And two years later, the front office goes to Patrick Mahomes' pro day. Three years later, the front office goes to Josh Allen's pro day. So he takes a franchise that was not, certainly not anonymous or poorly run. I'm not saying that. They Matt Hasselbeck Super Bowl. Seahawks had always had Steve Largent, Jim Zorn, Matt Hasselbeck. They, they've always had a little juice, right? But he takes them to back-to-back Super Bowls, and it was Marshawn Lynch, or it was Legion of Boom, or it was Pete Carroll, or it was... Not until the end, it was Russ. And the minute it's his team, they're going to pro days for Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen. So he didn't feel the love. I get it. Ken Griffey was totally different. Even though Ken Griffey Jr. was surrounded by really good players, those Mariner teams, Edgar Martinez, had some really good pitchers. That was Ken's team. He was the star, marketed, promoted, the guy, the man, from parking spaces to anything he wanted, and should have been. But if you don't wrap your arms around a guy and you're getting to Super Bowls, don't be surprised if they're like, you know, I kind of 
Kind of like to be the guy one time. Now, with that in Denver comes pressure, but little love for us. This is interesting. Brian Baldinger does a very good job. He does these things on the interweb where he goes to his, like, uh, you know, his iPad and he breaks down plays. Very good at this stuff. And uh, he likes Brock Purdy, Niners quarterback. A lot of, lot of critics out there, Mr. Irrelevant. Last guy picked. It's Shanahan's team. And Baldinger was on a radio show in San Francisco, and he said Brock Purdy reminds him of actually Joe Montana. Joe Montana. You couldn't rattle him. And I feel like he's got – I'm not comparing him to Joe Montana. No, I, no. I'm not doing anything like that. But, but, you know, he does have that composure. He does have that poise. I know certain defensive players, great players, they know when they got their quarterback. They know when the game is in the bag mm. because of what they're doing to the quarterback. I never get the feeling, no matter what, how many shots he takes or a missed throw, whatever, that you ever have that guy. That's a dangerous composition if you're trying to defend it. So let's look at his eight starts. He's yet to have a bad game for San Francisco. 8-0, 68% completion percentage, 1,800 yards, 113 passer rating, 17-2 TD to interception ratio. So San Francisco's had a lot of productive quarterbacks through the years. Let's compare them to five Niner quarterbacks. Let's start with Montana and Steve Young. Now, it's a different era, feels a little unfair, but he's significantly better than Joe Montana. Well, that's a long time ago. Let's go to Steve Young, the lefty who ran... Oh, he's way better than Steve Young. Again, different era. That's not fair. Let's go to some more recent guys who were very productive. Let's go to Alex Smith. You know, he just not long ago was playing in the NFL. Oh, he, whoa, his first eight starts. Not close. All right, let's go to Kaepernick. He got the league by surprise running around. Kaepernick was pretty good. That was recent. But he wasn't as good as Purdy. And Kaepernick had a lot of fans. Still does. Okay, let's go to Garoppolo. That was an hour and a half ago. Oh, he's, he's better than him, too, by a lot. Let's get over the where he was drafted thing. Rams have a receiver, Puka Nakua. He's a rookie. He was drafted in the, I think, fifth round. He's way better than the round he was drafted in. So was Tony Romo, Tom Brady, Kurt Warner, Mark Brunel, Dak Prescott, and Joe Montana. At what are you looking to see to disprove your belief he's no good? What are the critics waiting for? He hasn't had a bad game. Well, Kyle Shanahan is great. We know that. And absolutely makes him better. Well, the players around him are excellent and make him better. But it's very possible, like Puka Nakua, Brady, Dak, Cousins, he was wildly underdrafted. That is very possible because I've seen it with quarterbacks a dozen times. Be sure to catch live editions of The Herd weekdays at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. Attention all wrestling aficionados. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. This is Freddie Prince Jr., and I am beyond thrilled to announce that our wrestling extravaganza is back, and joining me once again is the one and only Jeff Dye. 
Get ready as we highlight the most jaw-dropping matches, dissect the fiercest feuds, and uncover the latest twists and turns in the world of pro wrestling. We're dusting off our legendary side quests and unleashing a barrage of brand new segments that will keep you guys on the edge of your seat like our talks on unsanctioned Thursdays. Freddie, you know we gotta give the people what they want. This season, we have an all-star lineup of special guests who are gonna be gracing our podcast, bringing with them their own unique insights, experiences, and all of that in the world of pro wrestling and beyond. Whether you're a seasoned wrestling veteran or a fresh-faced newcomer, we promise an experience like no other. So buckle up, wrestling fans. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty, Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape. You can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So, listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Here we go, Greg Cosell, 44 years NFL Films. All right, so we were talking about this a week earlier. Jordan Love in the fourth quarter against Atlanta. We were hoping and waiting. It was kind of a dud. Saints is the opposite. Dud early. Derek Carr gets hurt. And Jordan Love looks pretty good and capable in the fourth. Now, my guess is young quarterbacks are roller coasters. You don't quite know what you're going to get. What did the film say on Jordan Love's comeback against the Saints? Well, I'm really glad you added that line about young quarterbacks because, as you know, Colin, you're on every day. So we live in a week-to-week league, and people want to make bold statements about quarterbacks, particularly young ones, week-to-week. And I think that's a little ridiculous because they're going to have ups and downs. And I think Love, I don't think he was really bad by any stretch for those first three quarters. Um, You know, I think when you watch Love, there's a couple of things that stand out regardless of, let's say, the result of the plays. And by the way, there are a number of drops this week. But I think, Colin, what stands out with Love is it's clear watching him that he knows what he's looking at. He understands how to process the routes versus the coverage within the two, three seconds demanded. He throws a good ball. Now he's going to have to be, and you pointed this out when we first started talking about him a number of weeks ago, I think there are some throws he misses that he has to make. Yeah. And we'll see if that changes. Um, you hope it does. Uh, I don't think it's tragic in the sense that that would make him a bad player, but he still needs to make those throws. But for the most part, 
He looks like he belongs. He sees it the right way. He delivers the football. Uh, he looks like an NFL quarterback. Yep, that's what I think. Just misses occasionally once or twice a week a throw he should hit. Maybe he'll get better at that. Okay, C.J. Stroud, his comp was Jared Goff. Uh-huh. And I said this before the draft. Jared Goff's pretty good. It's not a terrible comp. Yep. And he's a big no. ki- he's a big kid. It looks like to me, I said this week, he's a professional um, he stands in there. You know he wants to stand and throw. He doesn't want to run around that much. Uh, but again, these are small sample sizes. Very encouraging last week. What does the film say on C.J. Stroud of the Texans? And, and you hit on something really important. He wants to stand and deliver. And there was a, always a concern coming into the league. How would he handle muddied, noisy pockets, which he didn't face a lot of at Ohio State? And so far, that's been a positive. You know, I kept thinking about how do I want to describe Stroud after watching his tape, and I I came up with this, and and hopefully it's clear. There's kind of a mental and physical efficiency to his game. He plays with a desirable combination of pocket patience and decisiveness. He never looks like he's hurried or playing fast. He looks like he did in college, and I think that's a really good sign for a quarterback. Will he have a bad game? Look, they play the Steelers this week. It's in Houston, but it's still the Steelers, and their O line is a mess. To be kind of work in progress. <laughs> There's still some injuries, yeah. um, and it's very possible he could have a bad game. But again, that doesn't mean he doesn't have a chance to be a really good quarterback. I think that the way in which he has played through three weeks is really, really positive. So Justin Herbert's been good the day he arrived, but it's uh-huh. noticeable to me with the coordinator change, he's become much better in the second half as well as the first. I thought last year the Chargers were a bad second-half offense, and data proves that. So I don't know what's happening, but it does feel like I get four quarters of Justin Herbert being great. Last year I felt like I got a half, and then something in the film or the schematics changed. What is the film saying on Justin? Yeah, and and I'm being honest. That's hard to know for sure because you don't know how things are game-planned or adjusted in a specific way. We we just don't know that. Uh, even someone like myself watching tape, there's a lot of minutia that we're just not familiar with. But, you know, I would say Justin Herbert is and, – and I think of a lot of quarterbacks in the past. He's, he's uh, rare in this sense. He's a power thrower yeah. with really good accuracy. Okay, there's not a lot of guys like that. I mean, you think of a Troy Aikman, a Carson Palmer, guys with big arms who were power velocity throwers and and yet were really precise with their ball location. And I think Justin Herbert falls into that category. And I think that, you know, he's only going to get better and better as he works in Kellen Moore's offense. Um, And hopefully, I, I know Mike Williams is out now, so it's going to be really interesting to see if the TCU rookie Quentin Johnston, who's obviously next man up, if he can sort of fill in for Williams, who's a very good receiver. Um, and obviously their defense can be a question. You know, it raises a question to think about, Colin, and I know you think about these things. If you're on a really, really good team, okay, think of the Philadelphia Eagles. If you're on a really, really good team and your quarterback doesn't necessarily play real well and you win because you can win even if your quarterback doesn't play well, that's one thing. What if you're not on a really good team and it's up to the quarterback to have to be really great all the time and then he can't be great all the time because that's not realistic? We then say, well, the quarterback's not very good. <laughs> you know, it's, 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 one, 
it's no, it's true. It's one of those interesting things. Yeah. That, and that's how we tend to judge and evaluate quarterbacks. Yeah. And I think he has to save the Chargers more often than they elevate yeah. him. Um, so the Cardinal, Josh Dobbs isn't going to be somebody that, you know, we're going to spend a fortune on and build around. But he, he's, you know, he's a well-liked kid. He's got some size. He moves. He made some throws. What did Arizona do to Dallas's uh, defense? What did they do? That was actually, believe it or not, and, and, you know, people might think, oh, you're nuts. But that was actually one of my most fun tapes to watch uh, this week because, you know, I had to see what they did to, you know, win that game. And by the way, they've been leading going into the fourth quarter in every game they played this year. <laughs> um, but I I thought that, and, and they have a young coaching staff. And, and most people would say, hey, if you're a young head coach, you want to get some veteran coordinators. Jonathan Gannon didn't do that. They have a young coordinator group. Um, but I thought their game plan against a highly aggressive Cowboys defense was really, really good. A lot of backfield actions. And what do backfield actions do? It's eye candy for aggressive defenses. They react to those things instantly. And then a lot of misdirection concepts, also a good thing against aggressive defenses. And they really got the Cowboys defense kind of a little hesitant, a little uncertain, or reacting to the wrong thing, seeing what they thought was going to happen, and it didn't happen. And yes, of course, what they did is they ran at Parsons. Uh, they And you saw on the first drive, they did the zone read to Parsons' side, and Dobbs ran for 44 yards. So, you know, and, and I like what you said about Dobbs. You can line up and play with Josh yeah. Dobbs now. No one's going to say he's the guy for the future, but you can line up and you can run your offense with Josh Dobbs. By the way, Trayvon Diggs, I don't think the Cowboys can be as aggressive on the back end as they were with him. I thought that was a real, to me, Yeah, that that's not yeah. a Micah loss. I think he changes the way Dan Quinn can play. Did the film show that? Well, it didn't this week, but it's going to be interesting because the cards did go after Deron Bland. Yes. And Bland had some issues in this game, as I know you noticed. So as we get further into the season and they play in their division, for instance, the Commanders with three really good wideouts, the Eagles with really good wideouts, will Dan Quinn have to scale back? Because the Cowboys play the highest percentage of cover one, which is man coverage with a single high safety. They play the highest percentage in the NFL. So the question is, will he have to scale that back because he doesn't have two quality outside corners? So we've seen this. Uh, Mark Brunel was underdrafted. Tom Brady, Joe Montana, Tony Romo undrafted, Kurt Warner. Is it possible Brock Purdy, and this happens about every year or two, it, I mean, Puka Nakua for the Rams was underdrafted. The kid's a star. He went in the fifth round. He looks like he's a much higher round player. Is it possible Brock Purdy is just underdrafted and he is a franchise quarterback? What's the film say? Um, you know, those are tough questions because I, I did Brock Purdy. I actually watched his tape for three years at Iowa State. And while I thought he was a draftable player and he was drafted, I didn't think he was, a, a you know, a, a top 50 type pick. Now, you know that I'm a big believer in coaching. I'm a big believer in, in the marriage between quarterback and coach. No one will argue that Brock Purdy is a high, high-level talent. Um, the one thing that he's clearly shown is he's clearly shown that he, mentally he's a very strong player. He yeah. sees it correctly, and he makes the right kinds of throws. Now, he'll miss some, by the way, uh, and because here's an example. They're a really, really good team. So there are games in which his numbers are by no means off the charts because they don't have to be. 
but I was very happy to see him come back this past week. He was not really good the week prior, and he was actually very poor on third down. And this week they played a Giants team this past week. Uh, it seems like it happened about a month ago because it was Thursday night, I believe. But um, uh, the Giants blitzed him a ton, and he handled it really, really well and made some excellent throws against the blitz. But I think you have a great marriage of coach, quarterback, and he's on a great team that has m multiple ways in which to win games. He doesn't have to win games by himself. Polly Fusco here with Tony Fusco. Yo. Of course, you know us as the host of the number one rated show in all of sports talk, the Polly and Tony Fusco Show. Yeah. Now, the suits at Fox Sports Radio gave us this airtime because they wanted us to tell you how great our show is. Why? Yeah, instead of us doing that, let's just let our millions of fans do the talking. Yeah, play the tape. You don't know crap about sports. I mean, why am I even on this crap? Whoa, 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 whoa. That's the wrong tape. Wrong tape. Just forget that. Look, listen to the Paulie and Tony Fusco Show on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So I want to talk about Philadelphia. They're 3-0, and and my eyes tell me Jalen Hurts hasn't played particularly well, but they are so good, O-line, yeah. D-line, that they don't have to have great linebackers. They don't always have to be great at quarterback. They, they win the tug-of-war, as I call it, every week. They're just bigger and stronger. So if you – Shane Steichen left, the OC. We, we predicted on this show Philadelphia would pull back without Steichen. Um, they, they got a – they played a bunch of bad quarterbacks and bad teams. Schedule's tougher. Right. Anything on film, Greg, with Jalen Hurts that does concern yeah. you a little? Yeah, it does. And th they're a great example, Colin. They have the best O-line, D-line combination in the National Football League, and I don't think that's debatable. And I think that they can win games without their skilled players necessarily being great. And Jalen Hurts, through three games, has not played at the same level he did a year ago. I think that he's struggling a bit with what he's seeing, how he's processing it. There's too many snaps in which he's dropping his eyes when he didn't get a clear picture on his primary read. Um, and I think you're going to see defenses attack him a little bit to try to force him to do that because he, he's perceiving pressure that's not really there. And, and when he's doing that, he's dropping his eyes. But they are such a good team. It, it relates back to the question I threw out you know, just a few minutes ago. Here's a really, really good team that can dominate almost every opponent on the O-line and the D-line. And so they win games, and they're winning them handily so far. But Hertz will have to play better, I think, for them to get to where they want to go, which is obviously win a Super Bowl. So Joe Burrow's not playing as well. Now, my guess is it's the calf injury. They don't throw the ball deep with any precision. And that yep. was kind of one of their – that was like not a not-so-secret sauce for them as they'd burn you over the top. They don't do that now. Yep. I thought Burrow did what great quarterbacks do. He didn't play well and he won. He got better in the second half. You know, he just kind of found a little bit of a rhythm, a couple of big throws – Stafford didn't, and you know, I just felt like Joe found a way to win on a night he didn't have it. He doesn't move quite as well. You tell me, is this offense yeah. they're playing now, is it sustainable, or do they literally have to get back to the vertical throws? What do you see on film? Are they a threat? Can you win this way? Uh, well, let's put it this way. I think that the Burrow injury is impacting him because, Colin, what's the one thing – Look, I remember, and I'm sure you did too, I loved Burrow when he came out of college. I loved it. And, and so far, he's played that way in the league. But the one thing he does not have 
is he does not have a power arm. So Burrow needs to be able to use his lower body and his core in order to throw the ball down the field. I'm not talking about fades. I'm talking about to really throw the ball down the field. And right now he can't do that because of the injury. So will that come? I guess we don't know the answer to that. I'm certainly not a doctor. I don't know the extent of the injury. I don't know how long that's going to take. But I think right now you can kind of see that he's not really working from the ground up with his mechanics the way that he normally does. Yeah. And that's going to have to come or their offense could be a little a little condensed. And I think he's so good he might find ways around that. But then you get into the same conversation we just had with the Eagles. When you start playing the better teams or get into the playoffs, if they do, then it becomes tougher. So I've seen this in a lot of sports where the offense gets ahead of the defense. And it takes the defense about an offseason to catch up. And so Miami is using so much motion. I mean, even the Wildcat yeah. work for about 10 weeks. So they, they, they have, they've added a little jet fuel to this San Francisco offense, yeah. right? Like all this motion. And I feel like some defenses are reeling. They're just, they don't have time to break down the snaps they would in an offseason. So um, New England did a pretty good job of slowing it down. Buffalo's next, but when you watch it, does it feel like they're just fooling people? How do you slow it down? Well, it's not a matter of fooling. It's a lot of eye candy, and it forces you, and I heard this term from a coach, and I love it, it forces you defensively to shrink your menu because you can't get to a lot of your adjustments and calls that you might normally get to if there's no motion. So clearly Mike McDaniel and the Dolphins understand this, but – you know, the thing about this, when you have Tyree Kill and Waddle, and I know Waddle didn't play last week, but it's it's just one week, I think, um, is you have to be able to play with split safeties. It's very difficult to play with single high. So what that means, for the most part, is you're going to have to create pressure with your down four. Yeah. So you have to do a couple of things against them. You have to you have to take care of that first window, that first window throw. You've got to take that away. So if you take that away, then what has to happen? Your front four has to become a factor. If your front four can't become a factor and Tua can sit in a clean pocket, then it's just really, really hard. And if you don't take away the first window, if you allow these first window throws and give Tua clean pictures, it's just too hard. So uh, we were saying this yesterday, because fewer starters play in the preseason, I almost feel like we should just throw week one out. I mean, I, they, seriously, you're seeing things in right. week one. I mean, the Jets look capable in week one. The Bills looked awful. Well, that's not the reality. Right now, Buffalo, now you're seeing veteran players. They get in better shape. They've been hit around a little bit. Now Buffalo looks substantial. I do notice this. They're not quite as Josh Allen run reliant, it feels like to me. But but you tell me, um, can Josh Allen, is he still, in your opinion, on film, carrying the entire offense? Um, let's put it this way. I think they're working toward that not being the case. <laughs> right. I think they clearly understand that that can't be the case. Um, you, you just can't rely on Josh Allen every single week to be Superman, and particularly the style of quarterback that he is. Yes, he can make really dynamic plays, special plays. He's a playmaker quarterback. He's a knockout artist. But we also know what goes along with that are some turnovers here and there. Uh, 
so you, you're trying to scale back your offense to the extent that everything doesn't have to be about Josh Allen every single week. That, hey, maybe you can line up one week and, believe it or not, you can run the ball, control the pace and tempo of a game. Josh Allen can drop back, you know, 28 times instead of 45 times. I think they understand that that's the direction in which they have to move. The question is, will that be the case when push comes to shove? Or, as you know, very often, as in all sports, you know, coaches think, well, let me put the ball in the hands of my best player. So until it's really challenged in a critical game, and it could be this week against Miami, if you get into a shootout game, my guess is the ball will be in Josh Allen's yeah. hands. Well, and then we'll, yeah. we'll see how it goes. But, uh, but I think they understand all this, Colin. Okay, so let's go to your big play of the week. They shelled, completely overwhelmed yeah. a yeah. commander's team that actually has some talent. So you got your play of the week. Yeah, and the one thing I think we sometimes lose sight of with Josh Allen is he just makes throws that are not easy look so easy because he's so gifted a thrower of the football. So I want to take a look at the touchdown to Gabriel Davis because I, this was a really intriguing play. So let's take a look at the touchdown to Davis. Okay. So here it is, and you're going to see Allen drop back, and he's going to stick it to Davis. And by the way, that's not an easy throw, Colin. <laughs> but uh, here's what we have. We have Allen in the gun. So what is he seeing right now? He's seeing single high safety. That's what he's looking at before the snap of the ball. So now let's walk through what they're going to do. You're going to have jet motion by Stephon Diggs. And there's going to be a two-man route concept to the boundary side. It's almost like a double corner, double sale concept. Right. Okay. But now what's going to happen is there's going to be safety rotation to cover two. So what he sees pre-snap is not what it's going to be post-snap. But far as the safety now, he's going to take a step forward, which he cannot do in cover two. Why? Because of the jet motion. And now he's totally out leveraged and at a position as a cover two safety to play this sail route or corner route by Gabriel Davis. And Josh Allen just sticks it right on him. Again, not an easy throw. That ball gets there in a hurry. And you can really see it from this angle really clearly what kind of throw this is. Good and Lord. like I said, Colin, Josh Allen's capable of this any given week, big time throws both from the pocket and outside the pocket. And yes, he'll turn it over on occasion. And you got to live with that. But he is special in so many ways. Yeah, when Gabriel Davis is humming and connecting, that offense is with Kincaid now, uh, Stephon Diggs. Then it gets really special. He kind of disappeared a little bit last year. He's back. Yep. The relationship's good. So, all right, Greg Cosell, 44 years, NFL film. Thanks, Greg. Thanks, Con. Appreciate it. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff, are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one -on -one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.